Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Rio. Uh, Once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. As Sean mentioned just a moment ago, today is the 13th and final installment of the Summer on the Mount series, and you know what that means. It's my last shot at it. My last chance, at least with this series, uh, to communicate life-changing Sermon on the Mount content. And quite honestly, I'm sorry to see this series come to an end. For me, it will go down as one of the most compelling and powerful studies we've ever done. Uh, In 30 years of preaching the gospel here at Community Christian, this one hit the center of the bullseye. And prophetically speaking, it was the summer of summers. And please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I am not patting myself on the back or trying to take the credit. I mentioned to you a bunch of times uh, that I struggled with this assignment. I did not want to do it when the Lord first impressed it upon me. In fact, I did everything I possibly could to get out of it. That's how much I know. Uh, I would be extremely foolish to gloat or to grandstand at this point. But I would be smart, in fact, I would be brilliant to publicly and openly thank the Lord for his presence and give him all the glory. God has been in this place this summer, and many of you have recognized it. And if over the last couple of weeks church has seemed different to you, It's not because we've done anything exceptional or unusual, but rather because God was moving in our hearts. And I sincerely appreciate those of you who were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you recognize that God is at work among us. He's trying to change us and transform us, make us into his image. It's not by accident. He's doing it intentionally and purposely. So thank you. Thank you for your response. Thank you for your willingness to not only hear but appropriate the word of the Lord. This morning, we're going to cover the last nine verses in the Sermon on the Mount. So 111 total verses. If my math is right, we've covered 102 verses so far. We have nine left to go. So let's get started. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many, how many? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name, the name that Pastor Tyler was talking about, perform many miracles Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. All right, since the start of this series, so way back in June, I was writing a daily devotional entitled Minute on the Mount. The purpose of the Minute on the Mount was to emphasize 
the words and teachings of Jesus and call you to focus in on them throughout the week. So instead of just hearing a passage of scripture on Sunday and forgetting about it, the Minute on the Mount was designed to help you appropriate those verses throughout the week. A couple of times in the last 10 or 12 weeks, uh, my devotion for that day was a repeat of my Sunday sermon notes. Maybe some of you noticed that. It wasn't because I ran out of ideas or didn't have time to write anything new that day. I did it on purpose because that particular content was something that I wanted you to hear again. It was extremely important and I felt taking the time to repeat it was warranted. Now, everything that Jesus said in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are important, but there were a couple things that I wanted to emphasize, and such is the case with these three verses today. Uh, you can count on reading about them tomorrow, because these three verses, Matthew chapter 7, 21, 22, and 23, are some of the scariest verses in the Bible. Just imagine as a Christian, Someone who thinks they have a relationship with God, someone who's made a, a, a determination to serve the Lord and to honor him. Imagine hearing Jesus say one day, depart from me, I never knew you. That is a really fearful and upsetting concept. And those three verses have brought a lot of spiritual anxiety to many, many Christians today. And yes, there are good intending preachers who like to capitalize on verses like these. And they try to gently push complacent believers off dead center. And so what they do is they come at us with both barrels blazing. And they read these verses and mix in a little bit of fire and brimstone. And again, it can be very alarming. So let me help you out here this morning. Will you let me do that? Let me explain this to you, and I want you to listen carefully because a lot of you have read these verses, a lot of you have heard preachers talk about them, and you probably even have quoted them yourselves. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, is a continuation of what Jesus was saying in the previous passage when talking about ungodly leaders, namely Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 19. Joy covered those verses last Sunday. And if you were here with us last Sunday, you know she preached more than just a sermon. Amen. There was a demonstration of God's might and power. Our sister Joy is a spiritual champion. Amen. She is. When she came back at the end of the service, she sent the enemy packing Amen. with a black eye. And she wanted me to tell you she is absolutely fine. She's doing well. So thank the Lord for that. The verses that she covered last week, starting with Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, here's what it says. Watch out, Jesus talking here, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now, why would Jesus call them out like this? Because these false prophets and self-proclaimed teachers and preachers, they lead God's people astray. They're not shepherds who care for the flock. They just care for themselves. And Jesus pointed them out to us. 
And truth be told, I pity them. I really do. Because Jesus boldly said, woe to them who cause my people to stumble and fall. In 2 Peter 2.17, Peter said, the blackest darkness is reserved for them. Not just dark, but as dark as it gets. And they will be sorely and severely judged. So Jesus' statement here in Matthew 7.23, what we just read, depart from me, I never knew you, it's connected to what Jesus had to say about false prophets and false teachers. And they are the ones on the receiving end of that distressing news. They are the ones who better beware. Because they have been leading God's people in a wrong direction. But a true believer like you and me, someone who offers our lives to the Lord and is sincerely trying to obey him and follow him, someone who listens to the word of God and humbles ourselves, listen, you will never hear Jesus say these words. He will not speak these words to you because in other verses, like in John chapter 10, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me and the voice of another they will not follow. If Jesus says as the shepherd he knows us, why would he turn around and say he doesn't know us? Makes no sense. See, I tell you this all the time, but you can't pluck one Bible verse out of the Bible, out of context, and build a doctrine on it. The Bible says scripture interprets scripture. That's a good solid law of hermeneutics. And what I like to do is when I read something and I believe something, I like to see a bunch of verses confirm it and back it up. So don't let this passage cause distress or concern among you. All right, how many of you are happy for that? All right. And I know sometimes what we do is, uh, you know, we forget that at one point we were in a way that's far from God and we're thankful for his grace and we appreciate the fact that he has forgiven us and knows us, but we want to see the ax fall on somebody else. <laughs> Pray for them. Pray for mercy. Pray for grace. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, everyone who, hear, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built his or her house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. And the reason it didn't fall is because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. All right, here in this passage we're told that the crowds were amazed with Jesus' teaching. Say that, they were amazed. All right, we read that verse right there, we, we read that statement, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us today because we use the word amazed or amazing like it's going out of style. In fact, today everything's amazing. 
You go to the restaurant, you have a good meal, you come out, you say, that was amazing. You go to the show, watch a movie like Top Gun Maverick, that was amazing, and it was. You know, we, we, we do a special song here uh, on chur at, at church, and you, you hear it for the first time, that was an amazing song, and it probably was. But this was different. The King James Version uses the word astonished. The people were astonished. They were stunned by what they just heard. They were confounded by it. And it completely blew them away because they had never heard anything like it before. Years and years of hearing the, the scribes and the Pharisees teach about the scriptures and it never hit them in the heart the way that this did. I'm talking about a powerful anointing that caused generational fishermen to walk away from their fishing boats and tax collectors to leave their wealthy and prestigious tax booths behind. Are you getting this? They were blown away. And once again, in a masterful way, Jesus saves the best for last. And he brings his sermon to a close. Everything that we've been reading now, uh, starting in Matthew chapter 5, he brings it to a close. He's winding down, and as he begins his conclusion, Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they will be like a wise builder. They'll be like a wise builder. Please note that Jesus didn't say anyone who listens to these words or hears these words of mine, memorizes them, reads them over and over again, even preaches on them. He said, he who reads or she who hears these words of mine and what? And puts them into practice, employs, exercises, implements and utilizes the teaching that I just gave, whoever incorporates this into your life, they will be like a wise builder. And the wise, astute, or clever payoff is a fortified structure, a house that will stand the test of time. On the flip side of the coin, Jesus said, whoever hears these teachings of mine or these instructions and does not take them to heart, does not incorporate them into their lives, does not uh, uh, appropriate them, but completely disregards them, then they will emulate the plans of a foolish builder who goes against sound construction advice and uses sand as a foundation. And Jesus said the result of all that is a crash. But not just a crash, a great and tragic crash. Now let me ask you a question. And don't overthink it, okay? When you're driving down the street and you see a line of houses, like one right after the other, and, and you're just passing by and you're, and you're kind of glancing in that direction, when you see those houses, can you tell the kind of material the builder used when laying the foundation. Can you tell? No, you can't tell. The foundation's hidden. 
The house is sitting on the foundation. And usually there's a little bit of landscaping. And there's dirt and there's mulch and trees and flowers and bushes and all kinds of things. And under normal circumstances, the foundation doesn't even come into play. But according to Jesus' words, when is the foundation at risk? And when is the construction material of the foundation revealed? During the storm. Yeah, go ahead and just shout it out that time. During the storm. Jesus said the storms are going to tell you how the foundation is laid and it makes all the difference in the world. And again, he didn't warn us and say, if the rain comes down or if the wind blows and beats against the house, he said when it does. He says you better storm-proof your house because there's always going to be a storm on the horizon. Now, Jesus used this house-building architectural illustration. Remember, he was a carpenter. But he wasn't talking about brick and mortar or wood or vinyl siding. He was talking about faith and building a spiritual house. Gets all the way to the end of his message. Lays out all these principles, and now he's talking to us about our spiritual house. And he said the best shot we have at a lasting, productive, and fruitful faith is a sure and a sound foundation. That's what he said. He said the foundation has to be laid properly. Now, everyone in this place knows who the foundation of the Christian faith is. If I asked the question, you would all get it right. His name is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul tells us, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We all know Jesus is the foundation of our faith, right? And you probably would say that and repeat that right off the top of your head. But what does that mean? What does it mean Jesus is the foundation of my faith? And once you choose to give your life to the Lord and live for him, how do we lay a proper faith foundation to build our house on? What does that all mean? How do we do that? Well, you talk to any skilled builder or expert in the field, and they will tell you that there are three basic elements or three key elements to laying any foundation. The first element or the first essential point is to remove the organic soil. The soil that contains moisture, like topsoil. Topsoil is not good, it's not conducive to building a foundation. You can plant in topsoil, topsoil is great for growing a garden, but it's not so good when you want to lay a foundation. So you have to remove the topsoil. Next, you have to add construction soil like loam, which is a mixture of clay and sand. And once you put that new soil in place, you got to pack it down, stamp it down really good. And then finally, step number three, uh, you have to dig and then pour concrete footings along the perimeter of the building because the footings prevent the foundation from heaving and, from the, and the building from shifting. So here we go. 
You remove the bad soil, you add the good soil, and then you shore up the foundations. You got it? One more time. Remove the bad soil, add the good soil, shore up the foundation. And don't look now, but that's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And when you read through the sermon carefully, line upon line, those are the precise three elements that Jesus covers in this sermon. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6 and 7, everything that we've been talking about all summer has to do with the proper laying of a foundation. During the sermon, Jesus said, you got to get rid of some of your bad behavior. He said, I want you to dig out, excavate, remove ungodly, unhealthy, and even sinful behavior, like anger and animosity and holding on to a grudge or getting even with other people. Jesus said, you want God to forgive you? Then you got to let go of the offenses that you're holding on to, and you got to forgive other people. You want God to answer your prayer and hear them when you come knocking? Then you got to get rid of that critical eye that you have toward other people. And if you don't want the boomerang of judgment to come back towards you, Jesus said you got to stop passing judgment on everybody else. And then once Jesus addressed that first step, which was to remove the unhealthy soil, he said, what I want you to do is I want you to backfill it with some good soil, some good, healthy spiritual disciplines like prayer and like fasting and generous giving. Remember those? Jesus said, don't forget to always tell the truth and be patient. Wait for God to reward you because great is your reward in heaven. And Jesus said, everything that you do in every aspect, be kind and courteous, be compassionate and treat people the way that you want to be treated. Don't treat them the way you think they deserve to be treated, the way that they treated you, but the way that you want to be treated. And you know, this past week, I went back and I reviewed the entire sermon. And I was surprised, scratch that, I was shocked at the number of choices that we're faced with in this sermon, the number of decisions that Jesus lays out for us. Jesus said there are two kinds of righteousness, arrogance, self-righteousness, or humility. He said there's two interpretations of truth, what you've heard others say or others' opinion or what Jesus taught. There are two expressions of holiness, outward appearance or what's in the heart. There's two reward systems, the praise of men or the praise of God. Jesus said there are two treasures that you can tap into in this life, earthly treasure or heavenly treasure. There's two masters, God or money. Two gates, there's the wide gate or the narrow gate, you choose. Two trees, the tree with good fruit or the tree with bad fruit. Two behaviors, word only or word indeed. Two foundation materials, rock or sand. And finally, two builders, wise or foolish. 
And the soil exchange is contained in all of these choices. You decide. And so again, when engaged in proper foundation protocol, once you remove the bad soil, and then you add the good soil, the final piece is the perimeter footings. Footings go down deep. Footings shore up the foundation. They make sure the building and the foundation doesn't shift. It doesn't move, doesn't heave. And the solid, significant footings to the Sermon on the Mount are the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And let me add one more. Blessed are you when you crown, enhance, or adorn these beatitudes or the beautiful attitude mindset with a deep understanding that the whole reason we're called to be Christians in the first place is to be salt and light to a dark and sinful world. Friend, that is the showpiece of the church. Salt and light. What a sermon. An absolute masterpiece. Now, typically, when we have a series like this, and it's extended for a number of weeks, what I always try to do is I try to end the series on a high note with something dramatic. What I want to do is I, I, I usually want to challenge you to take a step of faith or to make a fresh commitment to the Lord and in so doing appropriate what we have been talking about. We've been on this now for 13 weeks, for three months. And I trust that the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to your heart, that he's encouraged you to remove some soil that shouldn't be there and add a little soil that you didn't have and shore up your footings and your foundation. I, I trust that the Lord's done that for you. But as we bring this particular message and series to a close, rather than do what we typically do, we're going to sing a special song together. It's a closing song. And instead of asking you to search your heart and try to identify something that you need to change or transform, you know, change or improve in your life, something that needs to happen, you know, maybe there's some guilt and condemnation, you shouldn't have it, but maybe you do anyway. Instead of asking you to address that, during this closing song, I am going to appeal to you to just focus in on the faithfulness of our God. That's all I want you to do. We serve a loving caring, devoted, faithful God. 
And that's who Jesus pointed to. That's who he exalted in this sermon. Remember when he talked about God as being a good father, only giving us good gifts? Jesus said he knows what we need. He has knowledge of everything that you're missing in your life right now, everything that you think you should have. And he is your provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. And so that's what I want you to focus in on in these closing minutes this morning. I want you to believe it and trust that he is your God, he's a good God, and he cares for you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for these past 13 weeks. We thank you for speaking to our hearts so clearly and so exactly. Lord, this sermon you preached, just like it did in past days, it blows us away. And I ask, Holy Spirit of God, that today, rather than looking at our lives and looking where we've missed it, because that's what we like to do, I pray, Lord, we could look up and see you as the God who provides for us. You know what we need, and you are careful, Lord, to meet our needs according to your glorious provision and supply. And I pray, Lord, that we could receive from you in these closing moments. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.